your Bibles and turn to the book of Matthew with me, Matthew chapter 23, Matthew 23. And, you know, uh, have you ever had the door shut in your face? You knocked on someone's door and, and they shut the door in your face? Not a good feeling. But I, as I looked at this passage here, I see that there are a lot of times we may be guilty of shutting the door on what God wants to do in this place. Or shutting the door on the saved, are the unsaved getting saved? Um, help that little boy, make sure he knows where he's going. I guess you're taking a long ride. Okay. And, but he's been running since he got here. All right. But in verse, uh, or Matthew chapter 23, starting at verse 1, we'll read down through verse 13. Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All, therefore, whatsoever they uh, bid you observe, that observe and do, but do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. Now, that's, uh, my, my got lost in that, but for talking about hip, hypocrisy. For they bind heavy burdens and uh, grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them, with one of their fingers, but as uh, but all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their uh, flacquities and and enlarge the borders of their garments, and love the uppermost rooms at feasts and the chief seats in the synagogues, and greetings in the uh, markets, and to be called of men Rabbi, Rabbi. But be not ye called Rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ. And all ye are brethren. And call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. Now verse 13 is kind of the key verse here we're going to look at today. And so let's notice this here, verse 13. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. What's that next word? Hypocrites. Scribes and Pharisees, some of the most religious uh, men that uh, definitely looked apart, looked righteous, but Jesus called them hypocrites. For ye shut up, up the kingdom of heaven against men, for ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. There's a lot in that verse, but just as I said earlier, could it be that some things that we are doing could actually hinder or shut the door on a person actually getting saved? Uh, it always worries me when I visit and, I, and someone says, oh, does so-and-so go to your church? And sometimes I'm I'm, I'm not sure, should I say, or, uh, and no, that doesn't ha happen very often at all, but uh, I would like to be able to say, well, sure, and, uh, but I wonder, if, is there someone that could say, well, you know, because of the way, or what they did, or what they said, or how they live, I don't really want to go to that church, and so we need to look into our hearts, that's what this is this morning, just a time for us to soul searching. Number one, make sure you're saved. Number two, make sure that you can yourself receive what God wants for you. 
and that you're not blocking anyone else out from getting what God wants them to have. And so let's have a word of prayer again and just ask the Lord to have his way. Father, we love you. We're so thankful for your word that just tells it like it is. And Lord, help us to be honest with ourselves and honest with you and to do business with you today so that we can experience the revival that you want us to have. And so, Lord, you work in every heart, for it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Again, verse 13, he uses, the, you know, he uses this word hypocrite describing the scribes and the Pharisees because they were shutting the door on people coming to God. And Jesus uses some other words in the New Testament. He uses the word blessed 33 times and 27 times cursed. Uh, so Jesus was clearly, he would preach the truth, obviously, because he is the way, the truth type. He is the very essence of truth. But salvation is work. It's of the Lord. There's nothing that we can do. Uh, I can't save myself, and I surely can't save anyone else. And God is the Savior of the world. He is our hope. But believers do play a role in getting other people to the Lord. And that's what we want to point out here. Romans chapter 10, if you are able there, or just keep your finger there in Matthew, we may be returning there. But in Romans chapter 10, verses 13 and 14, it talks about that role that you and I, Christian, play in others coming to Christ. In Romans chapter 10, verse 13, it says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's all the Lord. He's the one that saves. But after that, how then shall they call on him, or before that, I should say, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a what? We say, well, we got a preacher, so we're covered. That word's not talking about you're like this guy here, the pastor. That word is it's more inclusive. The word preacher here has uh, is not just talking about pastor. It's talking about uh, the uh, every individual as a Christian's responsibility to proclaim the truth around them. So you all, in that this sense, are preachers as a Christian. We're proclaimers of the truth. And so how can they? Um, how can they, uh, you know, know the truth without someone telling them? As verses are stating, and so the uh, again, notice the procession in these verses there, Romans chapter ten, thirteen, and fourteen. To be saved, one must do what? They must believe. In order for one to believe, they must hear, um, and then in order to for them to hear, somebody must go and tell them. And so that's a, a, a great uh, possession, procession of, of events. That's how it occurs today. Uh, they must, in order to be saved, they must believe. In order to um, uh, believe, they must hear the truth. And in order for them to be able to hear, as the Bible says, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, someone must tell them. So to be saved, again, if, if a believer refuses to share the gospel with the unsaved around them, in essence, you could say you are, you are shutting the door of what God wants to do. In that. You're shutting the door on that lost soul. Now, I'm not, I, I, again, uh, we just have to understand the serious 
part that we all play in people coming to Christ. God could have done it many other ways. He could have called, had all the angels of heaven doing this work. But no, he wants you and I, Christian, to be the ones that go tell them. And so when we don't, we in essence are shutting the door on the individual. And so many would be saved if someone would go tell them. And not only do the lost need heaven open to them, you and I, Christian, we need heaven open to us. And I, I don't know about you, but I want, and I'm sure every Christian here today, you want your Christianity to be real. You don't want it to be fake. You don't want to be acting. Uh, we're not cut out to be actors. And, uh, but God, you know, we want a, a real relationship with God. And I, I want the blessings of God, not only on my life, my family, but on this church. I want God's blessings here. And I, I, I want it to be real, um, where people would have to say, my, look what God has done. Not, look, oh, look what those people have done. No, I want them to be able to say that clearly only God could do that. Look what God has done. And, that, you know, there's going to, you know, days uh, may come when we need more than just a little Christianity. We need, we need more than just act, acting, putting on a mask. We need something real. The day is going to come when you might receive that pink slip at work. The day may come uh, when, when you're going to uh, experience, maybe if you own a business, your business shut down. The day may come when it's, it's, uh, you'll, you'll not be sure how you're even going to be able to buy groceries. I think for now we can really see that in many people's lives, the way the inflation is. And if that day comes, we're going to need a lot more than a put-off, put-on, up-down Christianity. We're going to need something real. We're going to need not just a fair-weather Christianity, but something that's real and lasting. We're going to need a real God. We're going to need heaven open to us. I believe right here this morning, there's some of you that need heaven open to you, that uh, you're going through some things, and maybe you have been discouraged. Maybe you're tired of acting, and the day is going to come when you're standing by the grave of a loved one. You're going to need something more than just pretend Christianity. The day is going to come when maybe your own child rebels against you. Again, you're going to need something real. The day may come when you're going to need a real God. We're going to need a real relationship with that God to be able to deal with what you're facing. Pretending is not going to cut it. We need the window of heaven open to us. Sometimes we get the idea that God is nothing more than just a great big heavenly vending machine. And we go about our business and we never give, to him, give him even a thought, not two thoughts in our life. And we, we uh, uh, don't read the Bible. We, we don't spend time in prayer. We uh, uh, come occasionally to God's house. And, and uh, uh, in fact, sometimes we, we come to church and we go out the door and we leave our Christianity there at the door of the church because we're going to live the way we want to live through the week. I hope that's not the case. I'm not trying to uh, point out any fingers. I'm just saying this is human nature that we're dealing with. 
So it is, if it, nothing else, there is the temptation for that kind of lifestyle. It, it's that kind of temptation to just kind of hide in the crowd, not to be known as a Christian, not to face any opposition. We want to blend in. But we need something real in those times like that. And, you know, then something happens. We have troubles that come into our life, trials and problems and heartaches. And then we run to God and we have this idea that we can just push a few buttons and voila, God provides and he blesses and he gives me what I need when I need it. I don't need it any other time. Just when I need it, I'm going to go and push those. That's how I'm saying, why I'm saying sometimes we treat God like a great big vending machine. But that's not the God we serve. It's not going to work that way. To have heaven open requires a daily, consistent walk with God. He wants our marriages to be happy. He wants this church to be spirit-filled as well as physically filled. To be empowered. To be a soul-winning place. That's God's desire for us as a church. And he, he wants your home to be the closest thing to heaven on earth. That's what God wants. God wants to bless you. God wants good things for you. But it's our lives, our behavior, that can close the door on those blessings, that can keep those things from flowing to our family and to our church. And so let's definitely search our hearts to make sure that we're not a stumbling block, that we're not shutting the door uh, from God doing what he wants to do. And he wants to do great things in your life, in my life. Uh, call, unto the, call unto me, he says, and I will show you great, uh, I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. God wants to do just that. This week, honestly, I'm all for revival. I, 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 I don't want to do it just because it's something we traditionally have done. I believe it's biblical that we have an evangelist come in and stir things up. Sometimes we get complacent. We get used to the things, the, the way things are. Some of us, we don't like it change at all. But change is necessary if we're going to be what God wants us to be. I'm not talking about changing the color of the walls or, or anything to do with some physical aspect of the building. We're talking about spiritual speak, spiritually speaking. God wants us to continually change to be becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. And so... Listen, God said in Matthew 23, look down at verse 37. This is a sad verse. Listen to this. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Jesus is speaking here. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. You can hear the heartbreak in his words. Thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which art sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings. And look at those last few words, and ye would not. Boy, how sad that is. God said, I want to bless you, Jerusalem. I want to have a close fellowship with you. I want to be for real in your lives. And I, I want to bless you and feed you and make you happy and secure you and, and fulfill you. And But ye would not. What he's saying to them at Jerusalem, they literally slammed the door on God. We don't want it. 
We don't want it. And they shut the door from God doing what he wants to do. God is not, you're not a robot. God's not going to program us just to perform for him. You and I have a free will. We have a choice. God's not going to force himself. He's not going to force his blessings upon you if you refuse to live the way he wants you to live. So they closed. Listen, God doesn't close the windows of heaven on his people. We do. And I believe with all my heart that God is not blessing uh, certain homes and not blessing uh, the church uh, across America. And uh, we don't have that security and we don't have those other blessings because it's not God's fault. The fault lies with us. We pray, oh God, revive us. And that is, that is the prayer we ought to pray. But God's not holding out. God didn't close the door of you and I being revived. The only thing that hinders that happening from happening is ourselves. And so how do we shut that door? Number one, when we live like a hypocrite. Remember these scribes, these Pharisees were very religious. And they were, outwardly speaking, they were better than anybody else around them. But Jesus saw through all that pretending and saw what was real in their hearts. And he said, you're hypocrites, you're hypocrites. When our practice does not match our preaching, when our lifestyle, our, our, our walk does not match talk, then we are that hypocrite. Um, look there, Matthew 23, again, verse, verse um, 3. Matthew 23, 3. All, therefore, whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do, but do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. They say one thing, but do another. They're hypocrites. We sing, oh, how I love Jesus. And we go out and we demonstrate that we love the world more than we do Jesus by the way we live. We entertain, we entertain ourselves with the world. We sing, where he leads, I will follow. Then we stay at home when the church doors are open. I believe it's good to promise things. As I mentioned earlier, I made some promises to God as a young boy, and I think that's important to do. And, and I believe we should. I, I believe it's, it's good to do this, and, and we should promise. In, fa in fact, think about the promises we've made. Many of you here have made these, these promises. We promise our spouse that we will love them and be faithful. We promise our employer I'll be at work. I'll, I'll be dependable. We, we expect other people to make and keep their promises to us. You know, when the church voted me in almost 30 years ago, and in fact, it was during the month of October, I was candidating of 1993. And when the church finally voted me in, and, and uh, I think it was that November, I didn't say, now, now listen, folks. Your pastor, I'm going to be your pastor, but I can't promise you that I won't preach heresy from time to time. <laughs> if I had been so foolish to say something like that, they said, well, Brother Randy, you can just stay in Tennessee. We don't need you here. I would hope there would be enough people to do just that. But what I'm saying is I made a promise to this church that I would preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, that I would not become... A, a, 
by God's grace, swayed or compromised with the world. I made a promise. You expect your banker to keep his promise. You put all those millions of dollars in there. No. You put whatever money you have in there, and the banker says, well, now I can't promise this money will be here when you go to write a check. Can't promise that. And you're going to say, wait a minute, I don't want, I'm not going to put it in that bank. No, they make a promise to you that they're going to, that money's going to be there. Your employer, he says, now listen, I'm going to pay you every Friday. But he, but he, he, did, he didn't say when you got hired on, I, I, I uh, can't promise that you're going to get a paycheck every Friday. Your job. You expect that person to make a promise and keep that promise. And I ask, is God less deserving than our banker? than our preacher, than, than our, uh, uh, you, you know, any, any other individual in our life, our wife, our husband. And I, I again, uh, uh, is he any less deserving of our loyalty than all these other individuals? Of course not. He deserves that kind of loyalty. So if we ought to be able to promise our loyalty to anybody, it ought to be to our Savior, our King, Jesus Christ. But it's equally wrong, equally wrong for us to promise God things and then not do it. God, I promise that I'm going to do such and such. I'm going to live this way that you want me to live. Don't do it. That's equally as wrong. And uh, there was a, a lady that would testify every Sunday the preacher would preach. She would say, Pastor, I, I want to say a testimony after the, the preaching. And the preacher would preach on soul winning, and she would stand up, and she'd say, Pastor, I aim to go soul winning one of these days. And then he would preach the next week on being faithful, and, and she would stand up, Preacher, I want to tell everybody here that I aim to be faithful to Sunday morning, Sunday nights, Wednesday nights. And then he'd preach on uh, uh, prayer, and she would stand up and say, I want to testify that I aim to start praying and start praying more. And then, uh, so the pastor, he kind of got tired of this, and he, he uh, finally, on this last Sunday, he said to her, ma'am, would you quit your aiming and start shooting? Start doing. And we're good at that, aren't we? We're good at going through the motions, but not really doing anything. And so I, I this morning, my goal is not to scold anyone, because I don't know, I'm not, uh, uh, you know, up to speed on what there may be going on in your life. I'm just saying these are things that happen in our human lives as we have a tendency to drift away from God. And we become like these, these Pharisees and these scribes. We, 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 what our words are saying doesn't line up with what our life is doing, what our, our behavior is. And so the need of the hour is for our walking and our talking to match up. The need of the hour is for our doctrine and our doing to match up. Our preaching and our practice to match up. That's the need for the hour. The world around us is looking for something that's real. We see it all the time. It is, in fact, the media loves it. When these Christians behave the opposite of what they're preaching, whether it be preacher or just a lay person in the church. And they love that, and that hurts the cause of Christ. The hypocrisy. Well, we are. We wonder why, you know, as we uh, look at the church and and uh, we we don't. Um, we wonder if the world could have, you know, uh, uh, the effect it's had on us. 
and, and we look to God, and we're not willing to make any commitment to Him, and there's no difference. Our children see that our life at church and the life at home, that there is a difference. It doesn't match up. So the words that we speak, there's nothing worse that we can do that will breed rebellion and disobedience in the life of children than inconsistency and hypocrisy. Can't see that. John, I don't want you to ever smoke a cigarette. Don't ever do that. And they're smoking while they're playing. John, I don't want you to ever drink a beer. Don't do that. Hey, nine times out of ten, they'll follow the steps of mom or dad, what they are doing, not what they're saying. Your actions, my actions, weigh a whole lot more uh, uh, than, than just our words. So we're slamming the door. You know, is it any wonder that some people have to drag their kids to church if there's hypocrisy like that? Kids need to see something real. Kids are screaming, they drag them to church, and then the moment they get a chance, they're out. No more church for me. And again, we wonder why we can't get them to do right at home when they see our hypocrisy acting one way at church in another way at home. We're slamming the door of revival. We're slamming the door of the blessings of God on our homes. And uh, because uh, when we're a hypocrite, we, we, uh, when we live different lives, that's going to cut off those blessings. The harshest message that I believe Jesus ever preached was right here in Matthew 23. And he said, you guys are guilty of slamming the door of heaven shut because you don't practice what you preach. Let me read it again there in verse 23. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. Well, how else can, do we do that in our lives? When, when we become men pleasers. When we love to hear the applause of man over honoring and pleasing God. We're more concerned about impressing others than we are about pleasing God. Look at verse 5 there again. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. Now, when we're more concerned about doing right than we are about being popular, then I believe God is going to open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon us. And I'll be honest with you, the least of my concern is for the Knobs Baptist Church to be the most popular church in Shelby County. That does not do anything for me. And it doesn't do anything for the cause of Christ. And I would say my, our desire, our prayer, ought to be that there, we're a church that is preaching the gospel, that is following the word of God to the best of their ability. You see, again, my, again, my concern is that we're the, the exact kind of church that God wants us to be. Not what the world wants us to be, but what God wants. I am sick and tired of everybody around us just compromising. I'm talking about corporations, schools, just compromising to coddle people in their sin, their wicked lifestyles, and, and, and whining people. I've never seen such delight, whining because someone there disagreed with them. Oh, I'll tell you what, I've had over the years a lot of people disagree with me. Now, if it's me that they're disagreeing with, it's because of the way I acted, my bad behavior, they have a right to be angry at me. 
But if it's the Word of God, I can't change that. They have to get right. They get mad or get right. And that's the way it is. And I, I ought not be so uh, tender that, oh, my, I'm going to have to change the way I preach. Because I, I realize I'm not going to have to answer to any man, woman, or child. I'm going to have to answer to God. The, the only one I really strive or should be striving to please is God. Now, I'll be honest with you. It's not always easy. It's nice to be liked, isn't it? But when you take a stand on the word of God, there's going to be some that won't like that. And they'll disagree. But stand with God. He will honor that. And I, I think about the great apostle John. He was persecuted. Why? Because he preached the gospel. History tells us they, they put him in a pot of boiling oil. Can you imagine? He Somehow he survived that. Then they cast him off into an, uh, an island, the island Patmos. And on that island, there was a, uh, where they put all the prisoners and the social outcasts, and they were there on that island. And with a scarred body from being scalded in that pot of hot boiling oil, God revealed to him there on that island the book of Revelation, God's revelation to man. And, and, and in Revelation 19.11, you don't need to turn there, though, but picture him with a wrecked body, scarred body, in an awful situation there on this island with some uh, the outcast of society. He writes this, and I saw heaven open. What I'm saying is, you and I can experience that. It doesn't matter how bad things are around us. We can see heaven opened unto us. And we can receive the blessings of God on our church and our family. And it hinges on what our desires are and what we're doing. Well, when, when he stood for what was right, that is speaking about John, when he refused to compromise that to be popular with the people and was more concerned about pleasing to God that he served, the God that saved his soul, that's when he saw God open heaven to him. Remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Very familiar story. They stood for God, and the king ended up, because they would not bow to the image, the king threw them in the fiery furnace. But do you remember what happened after that? The old king looked in there after it killed the strong men that threw him in there, the fiery furnace. He saw there and said, hey, wait a minute. Didn't we put three guys in there? He said, yeah, that's right, king. Well, there's four. And they're walking around. And they're not bound anymore like we bound them when we threw them in. What a blessing. God showed up. Here's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The king gives them a second chance. Come on, guys. We're in a, a private room here. Just bow. Just go ahead and do it. No one will know about it. I'll be satisfied. We all go home happy. And they said, no, king. We're not going to do it. You, you can burn us. You can do whatever you want. But our knees will never bow to another god. Only God Jehovah we serve. And so they were willing to die. But God come in and save their lives and, and save the lives of many around them. Uh, save the souls of many around them. And listen, when you and I stand for what's right, when it's more important to us to please God than it is to try to tickle or to have the applause of man, to have them uh, uh, the, the approval of man, that's when we're going to see the windows of heaven open. That's when we're going to 
uh, uh, experience just the presence of God with us to be able to accomplish what he wants to, us to do. We could talk about Daniel, the lion's den. Well, there he is, thrown in the, those vicious lions. And God was with him through the night. Didn't seem to scratch him. In fact, I always picture Daniel asleep with his head on, the, on, on that big old lion, just purring away. And maybe snuggled up with another one. And then when they threw those other people in those, those same lions, devoured them before their bodies hit the ground. That's, that's God. But listen, Daniel did right. He said, I don't, I'm not going to stop doing what God wants me to do just because a king says I have to. I'm not going to agree with the government or the, the world that says that, I, that we sh should accept abortion, that we should accept the transgender, homosexuality. No, we, we love those people. They need the Lord. But that behavior is wrong, and we're not going to go along. God's going to honor that. I don't care what happens. They may throw me in the fiery furnace. They may throw you in the furnace, so to speak. But uh, God is going to honor you when you please him above men. And when we don't, when we try to please men, we're shutting the door of what God wants to do. We're slamming it on revival. Last of all, and I'm done here, when we are ungrateful, that's when we shut the door of revival. Ungrateful. When we give, but not with a genuine heart of gratitude. Look at verse, um, let me find it here real quickly. Verse, or, yes, uh, I want to look at verse 23 of Matthew 23. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done and not to leave the other undone. So here, you know, uh, again, without apology, I say the, according to the Bible, tithing is the right thing to do. It's Bible. And Luke chapter 6, verse 38 says, Given it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. So we pray, and God blesses and gives to us so that we can support the cause of Christ. Did you realize that? God does have expectations on you and I as a Christian. That when he blesses us, there is a reason for that. It may be uh, financially that he blesses us. Maybe God wants, us, wants to see what we'll do with that, how we'll spend that money, how we will honor him. But when we get to the point where we say, God, bless us. I really need your blessings. I need help here. And he gives to us. And then all we do is stuff our pockets. We hoard those things to ourselves. And we, uh, God, I believe, will stop giving, stop blessing. God wants us to be like a fountain, receiving and then sharing with the world. Surely the truth of the word of God, I'm not talking about just uh, materially, but even that. If God lays it on our hearts that there's a missionary that has a real need to give as the Lord leads. But if all we're interested in is receiving and we're ungrateful, then um, we're going to shut the door on what God wants to do. There's nothing wrong with having nice things. Nothing wrong at all uh, having a nice home, nice car, all those things. But we need to understand why God gives us what we have. And 
Some things are more important than having a big bank account. Some things are more important than having the latest automobiles. Some things are more important than having the nicest brand name clothes. There's a, and here it is, there is a real hell and there's a real heaven. Let that sink in. We, we may love to talk about heaven. Well, what a great thing that is. But the Bible that speaks of heaven speaks more of hell. It's real. And if somebody doesn't tell people how to get saved, millions are going to die and go to hell. Now, that's a, a whole lot more important than having another piece of uh, possession added to your, your things. Again, nothing wrong with any of those things. I love cars. Um, I, 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 in fact, I would probably, I was talking to Brother Brown this past week, and he's got the same thinking as me. He, he loves cars. His dad was a car salesman. And uh, if we had the money, we'd be collecting cars. That'd be a you know, nice little hobby. But I don't have the money for that. And so there's nothing wrong with having nice things. But are we doing with what we have? Are we wise stewards of how God has blessed us? Are we ungrateful? And we just hoard things that we have. Um, so it's right to give our tithe. Malachi 3.10 talks about that, that you bring all your tithes into the storehouse. But to give God, to give to God, whether it be our tithe, our time, our talent, and to do that without gratitude, do it with an unthankful heart, uh, do it out of necessity or duty. And that's what these scribes and Pharisees were doing. It wasn't with a heart of love and thankfulness. They said, oh, just something I've got to do. They didn't say it out loud, but that's why they were doing it. That's why God called them hypocrites. And, and so he, uh, they were actually, as he said here, they were shutting the door, the windows of heaven uh, to this people that were around them. And so he said they gave tithes. And by the way, did you notice what Jesus said there? That's, you ought to do that. They gave tithes. He didn't rebuke them for tithing. He rebuked them for the heart that they had, the hypocritical life that they lived. But uh, said, you ought to do that. And uh, he said, but don't leave the other more important things undone. Don't think you can buy my blessing with your tithe. Don't think that you can buy healing with your tithe. So these guys that are on TV, these some of them are charlatans, I'll be honest with you. And we, they've been found out. But many of them are trying power. If you do this, if you give this, you'll have the power of God upon you. God's power is not for sale. You can't buy it. You can't buy it. And so I wonder, what can God trust you and I with? I think sometimes we get, uh, we get things because God knows that he can trust us that we'll do what he wants us to do, that we'll use it for, uh, for his good and not for something selfish, slamming the doors shut on what God wants to do. I, I say, folks, today we need to be real. We need to be transparent with God. Let's be more concerned about pleasing God than we are about pleasing man. Let's and if that's the case, you know what we'll do? We'll give of ourselves. We'll give God everything. Listen to 2 Corinthians 8, 5. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first 
they gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. And to, to picture that little story of the boy who didn't have any money and to give him the offering plate, and he put himself in the offering plate. And that's a, a nice story, but that's what God wants. He wants our all. He wants a, our, our whole being. And that's what God wants us to give. And so when we know, when God knows that he can trust you with the blessing, with the power, with his presence, that you will do what he wants you to do, the blessings will flow. The blessings will flow. When he knows that, that he can trust the Nas Baptist Church with the gospel, that we will proclaim it everywhere we go. And, of course, folks, the church, that's us. That we'll take this truth and we'll share it everywhere we go. I'm convinced that he'll bless this place, that we'll see uh, uh, the, the power, the presence of God, that we'll see the church filled to overflowing when all of us are receiving from God what he wants to give us. But could it be the sin that's blocking the way? Could it be that our lifestyle has kept that from happening? We can prove that we can be trusted. So let me ask you, what's your home like? What's your marriage like? What's your family like? What's your finances like? What is your Christianity like? Is it for real? Is it real? Are the windows of heaven open? Are, are, are you experiencing the blessings of God being poured out upon you? Or is it pretty meager and you're scratching to get by? I would say this morning, you ought to come to the altar. Let God have his way. Surrender your all to Jesus Christ and say, God, I surrender everything. I give you my all. And that's what God wants. That's when God is going to open the windows of heaven. That's when God's going to revive this heart and revive this place. We need revival. Let's pray.